Welcome to HR Latte, your podcast connection to all things HR. Caring for people is imperative for today's progressive business. Listen in as Rayanne Thorne Kruger gets personal with practitioners and technologists, experts and thought leaders who care about the world of human resources, hiring and employee engagement. And now, sit back and sip your next cup of talent management, blended to perfection. Hey, everybody, welcome back to HR Latte. This is Rayanne Thorne Kruger, your host and producer. I've been doing HR Latte for about eight years now. And I have to tell you, this current segment or series of episodes that I'm doing to celebrate Pride are by far my favorite. I have had the opportunity to speak with so many different individuals and talk about what Pride means to them. And I'm really happy to welcome my guest today. Michael Skinner, who I have been lucky enough to know for many years. Hey, Michael, thanks for joining me today. Hey, Rayanne. Great to talk to you. It's so good to have you here. I asked you to join me on the show, Michael, and participate in our Pride Celebration, specifically because of a post that you made on Facebook last year around this time. And before we get into that, though, I would love for you to introduce yourself a little bit and tell us who you are and what you do. My name is Michael Skinner. I work for uh, the company Bionet America, and we uh, manufacture veterinary monitors, equipment, as well as human medical equipment. And I am currently acting as their uh, sales and marketing manager. Wow, great. Okay, that's so exciting. I will have to talk to you about that another time. I'm really interested in the work that you do. But today we're talking about pride. And I mentioned earlier about a post that you created last year, May 24th, if I remember the date, right? I remember it was before Pride. You basically announced to the world that you identify as pansexual. And before mm-hmm. we um, dive into that, I would love for you to tell me, what does that mean? What does it mean to identify as pansexual? So that, to be honest, uh, that has taken me a little bit of time to sort of go into, you know, as somebody who is approaching 40, I think it's been more than a decade since I've moved at the speed of the internet. Uh, <laughs> so there's there's plenty of terms and communities that have grown out of the queer movement that even I am like, oh, what's that? Right, uh, right. Hmm. Because, you know, as things develop and as people are able to communicate more, they'll begin to self-identify and start defining their own terms and being able to self-determine what that means to them. So for the longest time, I didn't know exactly what I would really call myself. And when I came across the term pansexual, that was just the first one that I was like, oh, that, yeah, that That sounds like me. me. Yeah. And for the longest time, see, I I know right now there's a little bit, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but there's a little bit of uh, bisexual and pansexual can sometimes be used. It seems like a bit interchangeable. Okay. But for me, being an English lit major, I'm going to be a stickler about it. Words have meaning. And to me, bisexual, you know, that with bi being two, I was like, then that means you're attracted to men and women. Seems a bit like then you're just including those two genders. Whereas to me as pansexual, that makes sense of I am attracted to, I'm not bound by any gender. Okay. If I find that person attractive and that person could be anywhere on the gender spectrum. I like the people that I like. 
I, I, you know what? We should all be like that. <laughs> it really sounds. I do. It does really sound like rainbows, right? To me, it sounds like <laughs> I, this is what it's all about. I've told people plenty of times, pansexuality is one of those things that it makes sense in my head, but not in my heart. Okay. That, you know, I, I look at the people that I, the multitude of genders and people that I find attractive and I go, I understand this is not everyone's sort of scene. Sure. But at the same time, I go like, I don't know how you could limit yourself. See, and that's the key. I think that it's just such a beautiful, open way to think about life and friendships, relationships and love. And if I could just a moment, I want to just read a section of your post. And it's just this part where you say, I'm married to an opposite sex partner. I have a house and a kid and present myself in such a way that I don't think anyone would be wrong to just automatically assume that I'm straight. And, you know, that's kind of how probably many people who feel like you present to the world. And maybe they don't feel the need like you did to share this. So I want to ask you, Michael, why did you feel the need to share it? I mean, weren't you afraid that it might impact relationships, that it might change? You know, I'm assuming you've spoken with this about your wife. You guys are a great couple together and and you have this great relationship and a beautiful son. So what made you think or do or act on this? The thing about it, yes, like my wife knew years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, I wanted to make sure I had, I had seen relationships fall apart in the past of either somebody withheld something or as soon as changes started happening, they didn't speak up about it. And I was like, I never want that to happen. It's all open honesty. If you're feeling something, let's admit it. Let's deal with it. So that wasn't necessarily an issue. But the thing about it is certainly in the queer community, there is an issue of sort of, uh, it's called bi erasure. And it's because if you are, let's say you are bisexual, somebody would probably look at you. And unless you had another woman around your arm, they might go, she's probably straight. Same thing, you know, with a guy, we're going to fall back to the societal norms. Right. And unless somebody is going to self-identify as bisexual or pansexual, it's easy to just assume what we culturally define as the default of being straight. And so you have plenty of people that come out as I'm loud and proud and gay, but as bisexuals or even pansexuals, it becomes a little bit of like, well, I'm different, but also I'm not. I still include what all the street people like as well. Right, so right. I don't know. Do I need to speak up? Is, right. it, is it something? And that was sort of my impetus to to get out there and just sort of say it was to explain, like, look, I know I don't look it. I'm not showing up in the streets with rainbow hair right, or, right. you know, gender nonconforming dress. Right. I don't, you know, look specifically queer or anything. But I wanted to make sure that, people sort of understood, like, number one, while I don't feel like I face a lot of the same problems and pressures as other people in the queer community, I am still a part of that story. And to also open up people's eyes to the idea of just because somebody looks some way, you don't actually know what was going on with that person there. We all contain so much more than what we present. And I love that about your story. I love that you felt compelled to share it. Were you afraid? To be honest, a bit of the privilege that I have is a majority of my friends are either queer people or theater people who are much more comfortable with queer people in their spaces. 
I had known friends for years and the people who might have been offended by it, I really didn't care about their opinion to begin with. So I was certainly very privileged in the fact that I could go into this knowing I am an adult. I'm financially independent. I don't have to worry about where I'm going to sleep tonight, where my next meal is coming from. I, I had to acknowledge all of those things, but also say, like, I want to say this for myself and I still understand I don't face some of the same pressures many other people coming out have to face. You know, it's kind of silly for me to say this, but I've known you. I feel kind of uh, protective of you, right? I feel protective because of the theater work that we've done together and the protection that you offered me during a time when I flubbed a show. You know, you were you were very helpful (laughs) when we were working in the tech booth together one time. But as I read it, I thought I was so concerned for you because I've heard stories and have talked to other people that are part of the community, the, the LGBTQIA plus community that have had horrible situations with family and friends when they came out or shared their news, even if part of their network knew, knew already, right? So I'm wondering, were there friends that you lost? Did your your parents, were they supportive? Did they know before? What was that like? What part of that? How was that for you? Really, besides my wife, I don't think anybody really knew. It certainly wow. threw my, my parents for a loop. Uh, and they, <laughs> they sort of got to the Google and, uh, and then <laughs> you know, because they're because they're a generation behind, the Google didn't offer them any answers. Okay. Right. <laughs> I looked it up and I still didn't understand what I read. Right. Um, so, you know, it, it came to then. I just sat down with them and just had, you know, an open, honest conversation about here's what it means. And here's what it means to me. And I didn't receive any backlash from it. You know, luckily, again, I'm surrounded by groups of very supportive people. In fact, I had some people afterward message me and say, hey, I want to talk about how you came to this um, and what it means to you, because I've been questioning Questioning. such things and I've been struggling with a bit of this. And how did how did you come to it? How did how did it go for you? So I've always been a person who very much has an attitude, and I think you know this, of uh, take me as I am or leave me. Right, Um, right. And so for me, it just felt natural to be like, I'm just going to say this. And if it makes anybody angry, then bye. (laughs) You felt, I think you were empowered in saying it. I think that it was a, a way to express yourself to share something that was has been inside of you for a long time, you know, when you when you came to the realization yourself. And then there's this other part of it, Michael, that I think is so wonderful. And that's that you shared something that others asked then asked you about that you maybe you opened a door for them to be brave, right? And that they could explore and question what they've been feeling or what they've been thinking. And I, I think it probably made a huge difference for so many people. And when you think about that, what has, since you've you've revealed this, we'll call it the revelation of 2021 for Michael Skinner, Mm. what has changed for you? What changed for you over the last year? There hasn't really, because of of, of course, also, unfortunately, with it being COVID, uh, yeah, yeah, pandemic and everything, it's not as though all of a sudden now I'm around a bunch of parties and getting to have people see and react 
to be honest, I think not long after that, I also just got tired of being on social media and I was just yeah, like, all right, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm done with this and got off of it. So the change hasn't been so much in how it is I relate to people or, or anything, but the change definitely has been more of a personal change that I, I have been saying it and coming out has allowed me to more fully feel empowered to be a part of the community and not not feel like a pretender even within my own community that I can say this is me it's it's my authentic me and sure I know that I'm not dealing with a lot of the same issues that other people are but I'm here to help however I can and support anybody else who might be going through these same issues or worse issues. Yeah, I, I just think it's so fascinating. And I, like I said, I'm so proud of you for having the courage for empowering yourself by coming to this place of acknowledgement and acceptance and love, just loving yourself for who you are and more power to you. You know, it's, since you are part of the community, the LGBTQIA plus community, you have a little bit more insight than someone like me, who I consider myself a very strong ally, but still I'm not in the community. So let's talk about this question that I have, which is if you, Michael, had senior leadership from several different organizations that did different things, whether they were hospitality, retail, manufacturing, distribution, technology, all of these different leaders in front of you. And they were leaning in to what you had to share with them. They wanted to hear what you had to say because they were in a place of learning and change. What would you say to them? I think I would say the people they work next to, above, below, all around their coworkers and people in their organizations, that they are they are more than their labels, but not to necessarily see that as a reductive idea. We all have labels about us, things that are are things that we define ourselves as. But ultimately those things we define ourselves as can basically be broken down as data points. And we need to recognize the things we focus on the data points that are different than ours or different than what we think is the cultural norm. And sometimes we need to recognize that those are merely different data points and they're not bad or wrong or anything that we need to always treat as different or the other. Far more important than these traits and what they actually are is what they mean to these people. I am a Native American pansexual animist, but those <laughs> are merely, those are just things. And all those things are very important to me, but they don't have to be. You know, the same way you can meet somebody who is a white man who was raised in the Catholic Church in Boston. And that can sound like I've got an idea about that person. But you don't know what all those things mean to that person. Right. What if that person grew up Catholic and has since walked away from it or rejected it or they've truly gone in and embraced it? What if they are, you know, very proud of being from Boston, but or what if they actually grew up there and said, I really don't like Boston or the East Coast or that whole attitude. So it can seem like it's easy to get an understanding of somebody based on these traits of them, but it's far more important to know how does that person specifically relate to it? How is it that that makes a difference 
in their life, because that's where you're really going to learn about who that person is and what they're all about. I love that. And as you were talking, I got this idea and it's probably not anything new, but for me, it was kind of a breakthrough for me in understanding labels, right? Labels, when you share them about yourself, are opening, right? You're opening up and sharing, this is what I want you to know about me. But when somebody puts a label on you, they are limiting because it's only their understanding of the label instead of listening to what you share about yourself. And I think it's so important and valuable what you have shared and not just, you know, your your announcement, your pronouncement, but actually what we've just talked about and how limiting labels can be and how people are so much more than that, unless it's a label they've given them themselves, which is then them sharing, sharing themselves with the world. Right. Absolutely. You have to consider the labels. You're right that they are merely an introduction. Uh, That's just the surface level detail about a person, but that doesn't mean that that is everything that person is about. And we need to also recognize the labels that we have, that we only notice others using those labels when they're different than our own. Such as if you have, let's say, a gay coworker and they have a rainbow flag on their desk, you're going to notice that rainbow flag and that's going to tell you something about them. Right. But, you know, a lot of the culture needs to understand that as much as maybe that may, might make you think it's a, something uncomfortable or something weird or different, that for those of us who are married and straight and heterosexual, those rings that are on your finger are saying just as much as that flag does. But we don't recognize that because that is a cultural norm. We have all of our own labels and signifiers. You can look at someone and, you know, their style of dress, the way they carry themselves, the things they say, those will tell you things about them. But sometimes we don't look at the labels that we we need to recognize that they are culturally normative or the things that culture says are what we should be. And we only notice the labels of things that are different than our own. But in fact, all of us are constantly carrying our own labels and our own things about ourselves. And we always define ourselves differently based on those. The same person who adores their marriage and happily wears their wedding ring, the person next to them is also wearing a wedding ring and they're currently going through marital troubles as well, or they're separated from their partner. It's all depending on how you relate to that signifier or that label, as opposed to that label being the end-all, be-all about you. So important to remember and really can make a huge difference in our world, in how we communicate, in how we open our network and share with individuals. How will this change your life and work for the future? I want to say that it's not going to necessarily change much because I'm still going to keep doing what it is that I do and make sure I'm doing the best that I can for my family, my community, my company. But in the same regard, I think it does change things hugely because it allows me to become more of a resource, that it allows me to say, hey, I have these experiences. I am a part of this separate community. And I can speak about that and have a dialogue about that and be a resource for those who want to learn more or someone else I meet who is struggling with their own sexual and gender issues that I can say, look, maybe I haven't been through exactly where you've been, but I've been through some of it. And I'm here 
And I am not only open with myself and those around me, but I am open to what it is that you have to say. And let's have an honest dialogue about it. I have no doubt that what you have shared here today will change somebody's life. It's changed me for sure as an ally, but I have no doubt that what you have shared and the honesty, the, um, I don't, it, it, there is pride. There's pride in what you say. This is who I am and I'm not going to hide it and I'm going to share it with the world. And if anybody needs assistance, I'm here to help. So I have no doubt that you have changed somebody's life. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. I really appreciate you coming on my podcast and sharing a little bit about your journey. Before we get away, I would love for you to share if you have any resources that people can read or watch or listen to, if you could share those. Absolutely. So the two biggest ones I would recommend, number one, if you read or listen to anything Dan Savage talks about. Okay, yes. Um, he's the host of the Savage Love Cast. Yes. As well as the column Savage Love. Obviously, for some people, he's going to get into, he's a second advice columnist, and he's going to get into sometimes maybe some things that are a little dirtier than uh, you might be used right, to hearing. Right. But ultimately, where he's coming from is always a place of understanding and acceptance and widening and developing not only our romantic relationships, but our personal and familial relationships. Good, good. That's a good uh, one. So I always recommend anything he has. And then most recently, a uh, film I saw that does deal with uh, queerness as well and intergenerationality and existence and everything is Everything Everywhere All at Once. I've heard how wonderful that is. It's a film by Daniels, uh, who are... Uh, Two men, both named Daniel, who directed it. And I am very, very snobby uh, about my films. You and are. Movies. I know and that. <laughs> I, I saw this movie. I've seen it twice in the theaters, and it immediately became my favorite film of all time. Oh, okay. uh, Go into it. Go into it with an open mind and be prepared for it to more than likely really break through something in you. Oh, I can't wait to see it. Thank you. My daughters have also told me the same thing, that I need to see it. So I am looking forward to that. Thank you for sharing that. And Michael, if anybody wants to reach out to you, get in touch with you, maybe ask some advice or offer you something, is there a way for them to get in touch with you? What's the best way? Probably the best way you can message me on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, I am on there. Uh, Michael Skinner, I uh, work for, again, Bionet America. That that would be me. I would say that's probably going to be the easiest way. The rest of a lot of my other channels are a little swamped. I am on Facebook as well. And my phone, I don't go there a whole lot, but my phone <laughs> will definitely alert me if anything pops up. <laughs> well, we'll we'll connect your LinkedIn profile here in the bio of the show. But I want to thank you once again, Thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining me today and talking with me a little bit about your experience. It's been great. Thank you for having me, Rand. This has been lovely. Thanks for listening to this episode of HR Latte. This podcast is brought to you by Never Enough Media and is produced by host Rayanne Thorne Kruger. Our editor is Igor Kuzmanovsky and Dick Delecki as our announcer with featured music. Grab a Coffee and Go by Tiny Music. Special thanks to those who have made HR Latte possible over the years with their ideas, support, and feedback. 